And we are live. All right, let's see if this works better. All right, people should be able to hear me now. We are live from New York where uh, I'm having all sorts of technical difficulties. My EOS in 50 is not working. Uh, my studio light is not here. So I'm filming this on my uh, FaceTime cam, whatever. And but at least my audio is working. We are brought to you by Tesco, Tesco is a cryptocurrency focused on the firearms market. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet! With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. And remember to check out Black Swan Tactical where you can get really cool gear. Black Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear. With shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more, there's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And let me bring in my co-host, the esteemed Mr. Rich himself, the flying one. What is How's going? Rich? We have a pretty uh, good show today. I am the merchant of death. I, I'm selling guns and, uh, you know, doing evil things, printing okay. guns. Okay, well, that's good. We also have Jordan Vinro, Fink Vinro from JFD Supply. What's up, Jordan? What's up, guys? How's it going? Not much. And finally, we have Mr. Wilson himself, Cody. Hey, you know what You know up? what the funny thing is? Every no. time I call Jordan, Jordan's so happy to talk to me. He's like, hey, what's up? Every time I call Cody, I hear, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Tony, I'm going to use that by now. I, I can't figure I wanna, it out. I want to call you. I don't want to get a call from you. Yeah. I feel the same way, but I figure if I'm nice, I'll at least get the information that you're giving me and you'll call me the next time with the information again. So I guess it's kind of a, you know, two sides to the same coin, maybe. Yeah. Every every time I call Cody, it's more like, what the hell's going on now? I, yeah, I, I got a bad relationship with it, man. So <laughs> I, I don't want to see it. You know, I don't want to. And then other people ask me sometimes, hey, has John called you? I'm like, oh, God, no. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. So this is very interesting. So we have the patron saint of the P80 and all, actually all unfinished binary frames, Jordan Venro. And we have the godfather of all 3D printing, Cody the Wilson. The, the original OG with the Liberator, which was named after a very pacific uh, firearm you want to tell everyone what it was named after man they probably know at this point um fp45 liberator an old oss world war ii thing you know never really deployed and so we were like well you know good ideas come back around so we we thought we'd actually drop the liberator you know and yeah. uh and it worked yeah one of the cool things um i remember watching the interview with you where they called you the most dangerous man in the world because you said you wanted to make gun control obsolete with 3D printing. And I think you really have accomplished that. Well, I, obviously it wasn't a single person's effort, but yeah, like this culture uh, has succeeded. And I guess we should thank China for really cheap 3D printers. And maybe we should thank the ATF uh, for trying to get rid of 80% receivers. <laughs> like now there's no choice left but to get good at printing Glock frames, I guess. Or maybe we'll talk about that today. Yeah, the Glock frames is getting interesting. The 3D printers are getting 
better and with like new like metal infused like printing and stuff like that I, I can only see it getting better and more useful there's all kinds of reality printers we're, we're looking at right now and not just the ones that we sell to the public but tiny out-of-the-box things we think we can customize and I, I don't know there's a lot there's a lot to say but honestly there's so much fog of war surrounding the current rule i figured you guys were having us on to like hash that out that, that's what i figured jordan and i might talk about today we we are going to talk about that, but I just wanted to get a little little bit of these questions out. Uh, with the new rule, let's go ahead and jump into the new rule. How is that going to affect? Uh, let's start with uh, defense distributed ghost gunner. Whatever. Well, I'll, I'll say off the bat, I haven't I haven't sat back down with like the full panel of lawyers yet to go over our options, but you know Im immediately I would say that I don't think our operations at ghost gunner specifically are are really affected. It, there's a question as to whether we, we will sell 80% receivers or not, like with our uh, with our fixtures, or, or whether we'll just kind of rely on other people getting the 80s from other uh, vendors. I think that's one of the bigger questions. But, you know, we could change the Ghost Gunner model to not be direct to consumer and it just sell through dealers. Um, and then maybe another company of ours or someone else's could sell direct to consumer for lowers. And so I, I don't really see anything we're doing changing other than kind of structurally or administratively. Uh, and I, I guess we should thank the ATF for that, but it's not clear to me where handgun 80s are versus rifle 80s. And I thought yeah, that might be something. Right. Yeah, rifle well, 80s is pretty much uh, the air is actually called as long as you don't sell it with the like a jig and uh, and the like blueprints or whatever uh, the code uh, that you should be fine. But I got a the question. If I have a ghost gunner in one of these in one of these. Is it now a firearm? Because if if I have a polymer 80 in 120 days with uh, the jig and the drill bits, that's a firearm. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe the only thing we know for sure is that they think polymer 80 receiver kits are firearms. I wouldn't, you know, John, like what you said with blueprints and stuff, I wouldn't give them the, the interpretation benefit of the doubt on anything. They, they certainly want to scare us into thinking, well, a lower sold with anything else may be a firearm, but uh, I don't think that's true. And I, I know a number of us plan to litigate and maybe get them to commit to other things there. But, you know, I don't feel like resubmitting for letters. I'm sure Jordan feels differently or may feel differently, but I, I don't really feel like uh, interpreting their rule beyond anything they put into the rule. Um, clearly, they feel like scaring us in a couple places, but uh, I, I'm not willing to say that a receiver plus something else is a firearm that's up to them to decide and even they admit that their own guidance doesn't have force of law so fuck them all right well that, that that's good right there jordan what do you think how's that going to affect your business the new rule yeah we don't know yet i was uh was talking to lauren from p80 right after it happened uh bob and i've been talking extensively every single day with different ideas and, and different things that we think um you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, the, the first reaction was, let's start from the beginning. Is home building okay? The answer is yes. Can we make firearms without serial numbers as a private individual? Yes. Okay, great. So we're, we're two steps into this thing. JSD is still alive. So, you know, and, and defense distributed and, and everybody else involved. So the next step is trying to figure out what that receiver is. So what you held up, Rich, uh, you know, earlier a few minutes ago is you know, not a, not a firearm from what they've said. Internal dimensions has not been completed. So that's what we know that as. So to me, that's still able to be sold. What's that, a lightsaber or something? Oh, is that a pipe? No. Uh, Two pieces <laughs> of pipe and an end cap and a roofing yeah, nail. Right, right. So, um, you know, so we say that that's okay still also. They're, they're claiming that if you have a tooling or, or a jig or uh you know, blueprints or anything like that, it now becomes a firearm. So if JSD only sells, let's just for a hypothetical conversation, JSD sells that 80% receiver. We sell all the rest of the parts. We do not sell a jig or, or make available a jig or instructions. Um, and, but but flyingrich.com would sell exclusively jigs for that product. So then the customer receives both those products. The moment they receive those products, it's now a firearm. So you know, that to me opens up the door to a lot of different things. If that's now a firearm, the instant that, that John Crump receives those two parts and he received them from two separate companies, 
Now what? To, to me, that opens up the door for, for several, several different scenarios uh, that I don't think they were planning for based right. on their own language in their document. So um, that's the role you texted about this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a theory. You know, I don't know. It, it's maybe not in practice, but I, I think they're aware of this, you know, likely scenario. So they then warn against what they call, I guess they use the word conspiracy. You know what I'm talking right. about? Yeah. So they, they warn about this section of structuring transactions, and I guess that means we, we can't have direct communication between companies about these arrangements, maybe, or, or at least regarding certain transactions. But it's insane of them to think that surely they don't think that one company would make a lower and one company would make a J. I mean, that's just how our, our industry is going to go. Um, so I guess if there's no history of direct communication between the two parties, you know, what can they do? Okay. Yeah, we have and, a and so where's the where's the line drawn if, if I just make publicly available or I license out my jig for the, for the month one, what happens then? Am, am I then held in conspiracy because I, I released open source files or somebody along the way took the dimensions off of a P320 to get the whole measurements and the rail bend measurements and did that all on their own. And I never released it. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous to think that that's something we could be you know held up for. There's no company what if, out there doing that. What if you sell the grip, you know, instead of the the, the guides, uh, the jigs for the P80 and the drill bits, in there's the STL file to print the jigs. Right. So that's a conversation we've been having internally, too. Is is that how we kind of go forward to, to stay above board here until we figure out what it actually means? You know, we don't know. It's just one of the options we've been talking about. Yeah, uh, we do have a question. So, Rich, go ahead and read that question, question, please. What portion of our time should be spent talking about compliance versus challenging this? They attempted too much. No, isn't this an opportunity to get many folks on board and address this in many ways? Uh, I think a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the challenging is going on. Um, I was actually on a call a little bit earlier on today about that exact issue um, with uh, Stephen. Uh, usually it would be Rob, but Rob's kind of tied up at the moment. Um, Becoming a new dad? Yeah, having, having little chicken farmers. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, we expect some big lawsuits. I know GOA's got one. I know, right. I guess I shouldn't say you know what we know, but obviously we expect some big challenges. I, it looks like even we get to be plaintiffs independently now okay great staff wants to get involved so there's certainly the opportunity to challenge you know different parts of this of course we're partial to the the unfinished receiver stuff uh but there's stuff you know about there's all there's all kinds of stuff in here worth challenging sure they will be um i'd like to just i mean uh, that's happening as far as i'm concerned it's worth just trying to get it stopped and and paused or delayed uh so no matter what I think that's worth doing. I don't know how long our segment here is. So, what is this like an hour spot? An hour, yeah. So, you know, we can talk about it as much as you want. That's probably the most important thing to try to challenge it and not just let it all become law. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know SAF, they're looking into their options. GOA, their lawsuit is pretty spun up. Um, FBC, I'm hearing, their, I'm hearing their lawsuit is pretty spun up as well. Uh, and there, there's going to be challenges and all the gun groups. Um, the only one I really haven't heard from is NRA, which I'm not saying that they're not doing anything. I just haven't heard of anything that they're doing. But all the other major gun groups and a lot of the state gun groups are actually spinning up lawsuits and stuff like that. I think this regulation can be attacked via multiple areas. Um, and I, kn I know that it will be attacked via multiple areas. One of the most vulnerable places that it can be attacked is is the solvent trap issue. Uh, so, because, you know, now they're redefining what a receiver is. Uh, because a tube is now a receiver, which it's never been in the history of suppressors. And yeah, th this was kind of a potpourri of bad shit, um, like uh, indefinitely keeping the 4473s. So basically now everything goes to the ATF and into a database. 
It's yeah. uh, they uh, they bit off a whole lot, and it seems like four or five different people were writing each section, and they didn't talk to each other. Yeah, that's it was what very we were poorly about written. The, the other day about how they weren't talking to each other. Uh, I, I knew basically the ATF a while ago. They they used to give uh, variances. So if you had so many files that you don't have a space to store and storm, you could store them off, off site. Now what they're doing is saying, we're not giving those variances anymore, but we will let you turn them in to the ATF or store or storm electronically. And what they're doing is when they are coming to do the inspections, there's, Hey, just throw it on a flash drive. <laughs> it's, it, I saw that coming from a long ways away for some of the regulations, but I think the whole entire point is to get it to the out of business record office. That's where like all, if you want to turn them in, that's where they would go to, which we know they're making a searchable database, not a registry. It's just a searchable database that you can search by a uh, you know, person, serial number, make manufacturer, right. but it's not a registry. Uh, but yeah, but the ATF has been caught lying a lot. In fact, we caught them lying last week when they when they said they were first in, first out. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you, Cody, we went through a show where we looked at all the outstanding records um, that was spent over 15 months, and it was like it was like 85 percent that we we figured out were yeah. uh, either pistol stabilizing devices or. Or um, eighty percent. Normally, it's all Turkish shotguns. Yeah, like so. Basically, we've called them a lie there. Well, I mean, to what to what end? Like, what's the significance of you know cashing them in that lie? Well, one of the it things establishes that, a pattern. It establishes a pattern. They told Congress that they that they weren't holding up eighty percent in pistol stabilizing braces. They did that in in five letters. The Congress, and then if you look at the the amount of that's been that's being held up, it's it's eighty five percent pistol stabilizing braces, and uh, like eighty percent kits, which they told Congress specifically that they were not holding up. They were, they were doing it on a first in first out basis. Yeah, we I, of course on our end, we've we've heard that they haven't been processing eighty percent letters for like two years. Yeah. Uh, now I. You know, maybe Jordan knows something different, but you know, it was, it was so bad. It just, yeah, it really depends. I mean, we, I've had uh, determinations there for almost four years now. Um, I've had multiple there that are almost three years. I got one when I got my FFL. They granted me a, a Beretta 92 that I sent down, just kind of a flyer to see what would happen. They gave that to me within a week of me submitting and, and receiving my FFL. Um, and then the last one that I've heard of that was successful uh, is a SCAR receiver that's, uh, you know, an 80 or a replacement receiver. That was in, uh, I want to say, April of last year, maybe. But that was the last one I've heard that's been successful. And he was waiting for, for quite a while, too, a year and a half or something along those lines. Um, and that one's pretty difficult. I mean, you really need some specialized tools to get that one figured out. Uh, you know, the, the Beretta, they don't care about because it, you know, it's kind of like a 1911, I guess you're going to, you know, make it out of metal and then cut the rails and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it'd be perfect for a ghost gunner situation. Um, the scar is probably too long. I don't know how, I don't know. Anyway, you can maybe figure out something to do with a scar with a ghost gunner, but you know, as it stands, those two are kind of hard to do. Um, I mean, I, I think it's obvious and I think it's obvious to everybody that they're going after the, the polymer, uh, you know, the po polymer eighties, uh, you know, specifically, and even probably the, uh, the 80% arms, uh, Glock style frame and, and the, the Glock store SS80, uh, maybe even Lone Wolf. I don't know if that's on their radar. I'm, I'm sure it is, but um, it is. Yeah, I mean that's all. That's that's what they're they're trying to do here is to try to get this you know quote unquote readily available or readily convertible, which is nonsense. Um, you know we've talked about it a million times. You know uh, I can do a polymer 80 in a certain amount of time, and Rich, you know you can do it in, in another amount of time. So who's who's the the uh, watermark there, or my wife can do it in four hours or, or five hours, you know, or maybe even more time if I don't walk her through it. So it's, you know, who's the, who's the, the, 
measuring stick, I guess, uh -huh. uh, you know, for that. So that's, that's the huge issue that I have. Um, I don't, I don't mind playing within, uh, you know, the rules that are established, but uh, you got to see the rule, the rule book before you can play the game. Um, so that's, that's one of the issues that I have, uh, you know, with all this. So. Yeah. Well, the ATF. Go ahead, Cody. Just on the, I mean, since we're on the topic of 80% handgun frames, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't see that any 80% handgun frames made it. So what's, what's your own opinion about that, Jordan? Yeah, as of right now, um, the only thing that we, we kind of, uh, I guess, in a hopeful manner are, are thinking the, the P320 and possibly a P365 and 1911, yeah. uh, the, the Beretta, you know, kind of the metal frames that required, I, I don't want to say quite a bit more work, but, uh, um, you know, I think the plastic ones kind of seem like they're toast at the moment. I don't, I don't know. I mean, none of it really makes a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, for a normal English speaking person to read. So, um, you know, I know again, that, the jigs being separate, that, that seems to be what they're, they're keying in on as well. It's clear. It's clear to me that 80% rifle receiver survived because it's just how even legitimate manufacturing of the, of the rifles is done now. Like, you know, you get unfinished receivers from, from contractors and, Right. Etc. So, is there an equivalent? I suppose the P320 chassis are, are like that, but is, are there equivalents like that in in pistols right now? Like, I, yeah, there there are. So the so the 365, yeah, 1911 would be that way. A Beretta 92 is that way. Similarly, um, some Ruger firearms, Ruger pistols are cast, uh, you know, in a separate facility and then shipped as a as a you know a raw casting. However, that looks it looks like a gun. But, you know, obviously there's threading and, and different cuts that need to be done. Similar to the P365, uh, you know, like you said, John, 1911s are that way in some instances. So so pistols like that, I'm sure, um, you know, the CZ type metal frame pistols are probably similar to that. SIG zone 229s, 226s, uh, you know, are, are in a similar fashion. So, uh, you know, that, it is a process of manufacturing, like you said. So I don't know how they... Yeah. change that and and where does that line where yeah. where is that line drawn so, I, I would well, assume then that those frames made it you know what i mean well um, they well they called the ar-15 specifically that's what i was saying before the ar-1580 in there mm -hmm. saying as long as it's not sold with jigs or 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 like uh plans they say the yeah the unfinished receiver alone i think they use the word alone is not a firearm yeah yeah, um, they offer a little guidance beyond that, but so yeah. I, I I would guess then yeah, nineteen eleven frames like the Stealth Arm nineteen eleven frames and other things, right? Which are roughly equivalent to how STI or the people like import them. You know, I, do we know definitely where where they are? No, should we submit a letter? Someone will. I I won't, but I would just assume anything that pri like primary industry relies on. You know, in terms of unfinished frames, like those can continue to be made and sold. It's just. The plastic frames were probably never like that for people. Um, I mean, for like prime contractors or something. Yeah, usually it's uh, like plastic frames are usually all injected and molded by the actual company that's producing them. Right. Um, so there's an exception to that. Uh, at least there was. I don't know if it's changed. Nomad, Nomad Defense, they make Glock style receivers. Um, I don't know where the process is done, but I do know that they CNC machine the holes out of them, which I thought was an interesting thing for a piece of plastic where you could just have a, 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 I don't know what it's called, whatever, a blocking rod put through where the holes go. So they do clean up some of that product, uh, you know, on a machine, on a CNC machine. Now, whether it's in the, the, the injection mold house or it's, it's off site somewhere else, or, you know, in nomads facility, um, there is a finishing step with that plastic receiver. Um, so again, I, I don't know. Does that come out of, uh, you know, an injection mold house and then is trucked to Nomad and, and then they zap it with a with a CNC machine, even though it's a simple, probably takes two seconds to blast through that. That's still part of their process. So they don't uh, necessarily trust somebody else to do it that way, or or this is the way they choose to do it. So um, does that stop? Where where again? Where is that line drawn from raw manufacturing to to finished and uh, you know appears to be a firearm? So it, it appears to be a firearm the entire time, uh, you know, in that scenario. Do you think they'll resubmit uh, for like a letter about whether that's a firearm or not? 
I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know the guys over there. So, I mean, it's a FFL frame now, so I'm sure they probably just assume that uh, everything they're doing is just going to stay the way it is. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. We just need John. I mean, you're friendly with everybody. Uh, Jordan, I mean, yeah. you're friendlier than I am. So I, I feel like if we can collect other people's letters or know if they're going to submit, that would help. But yeah, I'm, I'm working on that right now. Um, the the issue is that a lot of the industry is just confused and they don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. Right. Well, we're the experts that, in this industry and we're confused. You know, I yeah, got to talk like, to three different people that are on the same level that I am and, you know, not to sound weird, but we all have different opinions of what's going on. And we've been in this for, you know, 10 years a piece and have gone through similar situations with the ATF and, and none of us really have a firm grasp on what's going to happen. Yeah, I was talking to Olson the other day, and he was going through it. He's like, on page something, this says this. However, on page right. this, it says this. But yeah. then on page, they go back and say that you can. But then on this yeah. page, they say you can't. The readily identifiable standard is a strange one to me, considering that they fell back. Uh, with They got rid of their split receiver definition. Readily can be applied to everything. And so, therefore, like, where what room does readily identifiable have? You know, in, in this thing, it, it seems to me like it'd be easier to understand if they just stuck to readily convertible and applied it to different concepts. Um, but that's me trying to make sense of it, you know? Right. Yeah. One thing, the, the, the rule originally was supposed to come out like in January. And then they decided they didn't have enough information, so they put it on hold. And then uh, it was supposed to come out in the summer. Then the White House rushed them. So I think a lot of this was like cobbled together and it wasn't ready for prime time. Not to take any blame off the ATF, but I think if they would have had more time to work on it, it would have made a lot more sense. It seems an obvious APA challenge, at least, is like we know they sent those letters to some FFLs for the regulatory impact analysis. But then I guess they didn't get them back in time or they didn't care to receive them before they went ahead and moved the publication. It seemed like... Go ahead. They gave them two weeks to return them. Yeah, it's just, it just doesn't, <laughs> you know. And we saw in round one of the letter that they impact they assessed essentially zero impact. <laughs> zero impact on the entire thing. And then, you know, they finally, in this will at least admit some impact. But right, I, I think their overall impact they assess is like just JSD by itself, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> Thursday up here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Paul Wright is a forty million dollar company, you know. Like, yeah. it's like it's not yeah. even close to realistic, right? And that's what I told Olson too. We had a long conversation actually while I was down at Barrams and Bitcoin, uh, Cody. I didn't miss your speech though, so I was there for that. I, I told Rob he had to wait. So, um, cool. But yeah, so but we talked about the economic impact, and you know, it's 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 a lot. I mean, it, it's in I would say over $200 million industry-wide, probably yeah. more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a gigantic impact as, as far as the firearms industry goes. That's a huge chunk of our space. So um, I think what they're going to come back with is say, well, we, we're not saying you can't be in business. You can still sell all that stuff. You just have to get a serial number on it. That's all. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, bow down here and uh, take the mark and... and uh, you know, we'll let you stay in business and we'll allow you to give us 40% of your income, uh, you know, and we'll allow you to pay another 10 to 12% federal excise tax per kit that you sell. Um, we'll allow you to let the ATF come into your facility and knock you down if you've done something, you know, didn't cross a T your daughter and I, uh, you know, there, there's a lot going on here outside of just the, uh, you know, as David Chipman put it today, you know, the gun traffickers that are the only people involved in purchasing home-built firearms. Um, I'm a gun trafficker? Yeah, David Chipman says you are. Yep. Oh, crap. You're, you're like Nicholas Cage from Lord of War. That's how you introduced yourself at the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think everyone just needs to get a ghost gunner. Three. Yeah. Um, I like I like I I did a trade with Jordan, gave him and sent my ghost gunner up there up there sending it through Cody because it got broken, um, but uh, those screw back down and Rich was gonna drill it. I was like, don't drill it. <laughs> yeah, I but, had my Dremel ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but Perfect. yeah, I I figured that Jordan could use it to advance the 
firearms market with the ghost gunner more than I could be a, a person when you have a whole company. He just, he just can't tell me about it, apparently. The rule says as long as Jordan doesn't tell me about yeah. it, um, right. then we're fine. That's right. I, yeah. You know, they, they, they cite some cases in, uh, uh, it's in the two, it's in the two hundreds. It's like page 183 to 223 is all the real monkey business where they're trying to kind of claw back everything they admit to. And they cite a lot of cases about conspiracy and, um, construction of transactions and other stuff. I think, you know, the footnote 45 of the NPRM seems to be a real humdinger. This is just for everybody listening at home, but, uh. Like those things are, are really worth investigating to see how the ATF imagines, right? I don't know, continuing to police those of us who will not get an FFL, uh, and we won't. So, yeah, I mean, I worked for a, a telecommunications company that was, you know, some of the case law they were signing like that, and that telecommunication company, I'm not going to say which one, but they were able to structure their their CLEC and ILEC, which is two different versions. You can't have a competitive local exchange carrier and the incumbent local exchange carrier, uh, but like that works together. So in order to do that, they separated the CLEC and the ILEC and like everyone had to wear like little dots on, on, our, on the badges and we couldn't talk to each other if you had the wrong color dot. Uh, <laughs> And that's how they got around it because is that is that Squid Games? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Squid Games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like that's what they want. We you could, but like, I guess you could, Jordan. But like, Bob would have to like manufacture the be running the frames, and you would have to be running the receivers, and you couldn't talk to each other anymore. Right. I mean, we, we've run that scenario. I own two different you know commercial buildings across the street from each other. I have multiple LLCs for multiple different reasons and, and different things that I'm involved with. So technically, as far as the law goes, I have call it four different entities plus myself that I could run something under. Uh, but, you know, like to Cody's point about the conspiracy language, I mean, do we know what that means? Does it mean that Jordan cannot own another LLC that sells jigs? Uh you know, can can one of my guys that works for me now spin off their own company and ship from their house or, or however it would go? Uh, you know, they have intimate knowledge of my business. So does that then put them into conspiracy me into conspiracy territory that, that we conspired to sell a finishing jig and, and a part together that, you know, now all of a sudden is a firearm in some magical far off land? So, well, it's, as long as you don't put this on a card, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, well, everyone was like, why do you keep all your jigs? I'm like, now I got myself a business. <laughs> yeah, seriously, keep your jigs. I mean, Every, you never know, you might need them. They're, they're very clearly pissed off about, you know, when they when they capped Bible shoe kits, okay, we all stopped shipping stuff in one box. Okay, well, now they're pissed about two boxes, you know, <laughs> so... Right. Uh, they're very clearly pissed about that. They don't want one customer and one transaction receiving two boxes in the mail. And they're even telling you that they'll uh, they'll get you on U.S. postal charges of shipping a firearm in the mail if you put it in two different boxes at the same time. So, oh, they mean they mean business. Um, you know, it's it clearly means duplicating at least your logistics software, um, probably shipping from different facilities. You know, not coordinating with shipping managers and stuff like that. Um, and probably not not sharing ownership, but that's just so much to give them. It's worth fighting about, and and I'd like to see somebody brave it. I don't know that it's me, but you know what what is ATF going to say? Like, uh, okay, like this in really incredible complex thing we described was somehow the creation or sale of a firearm. It just doesn't, you know. I, I don't think that plays out here in Texas. No, we're gonna have to see. We're going to have to see who, who steps up to the plate. Hopefully, we'll be able to stop it before it even gets to that. Yeah. Uh, somebody, A lot of people asking when the lawsuits are going to drop. I'm pretty sure you're going to start seeing them drop fairly shortly here. I wouldn't say like in the next, like this week or anything, but it, it's, it's not going to be months and months. It might be a week, but it's not going to be like after, you know, it's going to be before the 120 days. I think yeah. you're going to see multiple suits before yeah. that. So, so here, yeah, good. No, go ahead, please. So another another topic that I just think about and and talk about here internally is, 
you know, do we have other legal standing here outside of the firearms community, outside of firearms law and, and all the things that we know uh, to be true in, the, in this side of the things? Um, you know, is, is there anything that, that we can fight on with, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, some civil rights uh, law firm or activist group um, that we're being denied and, and that, you know, one man can create law? You know, Biden, essentially, I mean, with all of his people, but Biden is now changing law passed by Congress, adding to it, taking away from it, replacing things. I mean, that, that's a gigantic issue far outside of the scope of firearms and suppressors and record keeping. Um, you know, all of America should be upset that, that this is happening. What if Trump was in here telling you that... I, I, I don't know. I don't well, know what he did with the bump stock thing would be whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, what he did with the bump stocks, yeah, I mean, everybody should be upset about that too. But <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of something more mundane that, that or, or that you have. can't have a couch in a, a whatever. TV yeah. in the same room. Otherwise you have a bar. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you're guilty of having an illegal liquor yeah. establishment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the path that I, that my brain is working towards. But again, I don't know anybody in that space to even think about it, but that would help immensely if we could attack this from a legal standpoint a gun standpoint you know all of that sort of stuff kind of hit him with everything at once yeah hopefully hopefully the bump stock case is successful because that would take a lot of the bite out of this stuff that would end a lot of this yeah i'm guessing it's it's standard apa stuff like there's so many apa infirmities here you know basic apa doctrine is like well did you consider the alternatives this kind of stuff and ntf's like you know what alternative? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, don't don't the ATF work for you guys, according to David Chipman today? <laughs> yeah, he said that today too. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> where is where is this? Like an NPR? Like where's it happening? NPR. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. uh, it's great. God yeah. damn, man! I wish he. I really wish he got confirmed. You know that we'd have the timeline we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to sell a kit called the Chipman kit, by the way, for the Ghost Gunner. Oh my. Ghost Gunner makes Chip a lot of shit. Uh anyway, neither here nor there, nice. but yeah. uh keeping the zero percent lower a secret was hard. It was real hard. I, you know, I was worried they'd say something about it, but if anything, they were just like, Fine, we give up on the on the blocks of metal stuff. We specifically accept it from the definition. So that's something, I guess, and I suppose it'll apply to blocks of plastic too. They don't quite say that, um, right? But you know, well, zero thing, pistol. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry, I was gonna key off of something else there. If you can finish. No, no, I was just gonna say, like, at, at a minimum, we'll try some zero percent concept for pistols, just to, just to, you know, push them on this place that they that they gave up. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. We have we have an idea for the 365, I think, that would mesh nicely. So as soon as we get that sorted out and figured out, we'll uh, see what happens. Um, I just wanted One of the to, to why he has the Ghost Gunner 3 up yeah. there now, Cody. I, I wanted to kind of, you know, talk about the comment period too. the, the 290,000 comments. It was the most in history, I guess, from from what I read somewhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, with that pushback, we got the split receiver ruling taken off the table and, and a couple other things that are maybe probably more minor to that. But that's that's huge. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody that that works to a degree. It, it helps uh, push back against, um, you know, at least some of these uh, rulings yeah. and, and, and thoughts. So, uh, you know, we can't let up on that. And even still, we need to con contact senators and congressmen and and you know, keep this thing pushing. Um, you know, we can do it if, if we, if we stick together and we, you know, band as one instead of fighting about whose name is what on Twitter and who signed on to this or that, you know, the, the infighting doesn't help. So. No, it's, it, yeah, they did definitely back off the serialization of parts. Uh, like saying they only said like only one part of a firearm yeah. has to be serialized. That, that, was, that, that was directly. Crazy from the comments right yeah so that that, so surprised, that, that kind good. of seems like an easy one that you could do and that people would be like yeah that kind of makes sense we can do that what multi multi receiver yeah oh man that just seems scary to me when i saw, I, when i saw that i figured that was how they were going to try to get a hold of 3d printed guns and kits in the future you know with weird guns that have never been submitted and stuff you just have right. to assume all the parts are receivers they still kind of say that they do. 
um, you have to submit to get, you know, to find the special part that they like the most. But um, yeah, you have to let them know. You have to let them pick. You can't pick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, right. And then did you see there was another minor little couple sentences about a split? Uh, so like an upper receiver, say for a CZ Scorpion in 1919, where it has two side plates that, you know, basically would create the receiver. And today, one side of that is the receiver. So the, say the left side is just a piece of metal. The right side would have the serial number. Uh, they're now saying that both of those halves are going to have to be marked with the same markings, you know, and, and treated as if they were each an individual receiver. So you know, like on a CZ Scorpion, they have out of battery discharges and sometimes the plastic side plate blows up. So you can just, you know, essentially you could just buy the left side plate and no problem, but going forward with new designs, you're going to have to have it shipped to your FFL or, or you know, however the warranty would, would work on something like that. But that's kind of a, another little piece they, they got in there working towards this, the split receiver uh, or multiple receiver type of, of uh, language they were working towards there. So got it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous rule. Um, but they're not done yet. Uh, they're gonna keep on pushing. That's why we got to push back because if we let them keep on succeeding with these rule changes, it will become something commonplace. Well, if you don't like something, they'll change the rule. There's um to Jordan's point earlier. I mean, you know, Jordan, you have a number of letters which are no longer like good. You know. Right. And I think that matters um, because there's not just a reliance interest on the letters, but I don't know the, the way they disclaim letters. I think that gives you a special kind of standing, which implicates the APA, you know, beyond just someone who says like oh, they're harmed by the rule. Um, what's another thing I thought of? Like, okay, if they say receivers with, we're, we're harmed here because like they don't quite come out and say it, but they, you know, they describe a scenario where, okay, you could sell a receiver, but maybe you put some instructions with it that are like really good. And somehow that makes it a firearm. And that does seem to me to affect the first amendment. You know? Of course. So do do we have to send these over to China to get written in English? Cause then if they read Maybe. bad, yeah. they're not good instructions. Well, that's yeah. a really good, actually it's a great question. Like what if I shipped everything in, in actual Chinese and then you had to use, you know, Google AR, Google to like translate, it, yeah. but, you know, like, I guess that's not readily convertible then. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you had a battle uh, uh, with a uh, code, like stating that isn't that right, Cody? That you stated that code was uh, for you. Uh, oh yeah, the yeah. First Amendment. I mean, we're not done with that, dude. <laughs> we're still yeah, going. Yeah, that on is that one. Going. I just had some stuff uh, the other day. The district judge in that one was just told by the Fifth Circuit to uh, vacate his order. Basically, oh my God, seven the case and sending it back to New Jersey. So I'm still trying to to win out on that one and get a first amendment victory, which is maybe within a year now. Uh, and if we get that, okay, that actually affects some of the stuff ATF saying, you know, and like, okay. what was the code for the first 3d printed gun? Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're talking G code. Yeah, well, G code ended up becoming involved. In the, like we ended up putting ghost gunner stuff in there because this lawsuit has become so big and so long. Um, so it's, it's now about cat and cam as people begin to understand it. G code, STL, all that stuff. So uh, it's all it's all at stake. And as you probably saw in the rule, ATFs like they, they say, like, well, we were told that we got to regulate this code. And by the way, we can't, you know, because like we just enforce the GCA. But, you know, we'll still get them, you know, if we find that they knowingly give the code to some felon in possession, which, again, it's like First Amendment, you guys. <laughs> um, there's but the I mean, the anarchist cookbook has been out. When, when was I first published in the 60s? Yeah, it, the, the distinction here, I guess, that's worth making is, okay, like, we open source or 3D printer type guys, we want to we wanna publish the code in a way that it's, like, free, it's in the public domain, anyone can get it. The ATF seems to be saying, like, taking advantage of this understanding that, okay, well, you can't exactly publish this stuff to the public domain right now, so you have to watch every single person you give it to, and if you don't, okay, we'll get you. And I, that seems to me uh, to be spiteful, you know, to be evil, uh, to your point, John. Yeah, I, I do believe that code is free speech. Um, it's just going to take another, you know, five years to figure that one out. Yeah, nothing in the court system, like, goes fast. No, no, and, and like, it, it, I'd be going fast right now because New Jersey just took a big L in, in my Fifth Circuit case. But, of course, they go for the, the AG in New Jersey goes for en banc review. 
even though that has like a 1% chance down here. You know, they'll, they'll just do everything they can to stretch this stuff out. And that that's what this case is. I've been running this case since uh, 2015, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. May, of, May of 2015. It's pretty cool. It's like a crazy marathon, you know? I'll be sad when it's <laughs> over. Uh, <laughs> I just would really like to win, you know? It's like my own personal Battle of Troy or something. Trojan War. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I did want to bring up is... Uh, when Cody, when you when you and I first started talking, like NSSF wanted like nothing to do with you. Yeah, and and now like and then then all of a sudden you're like you got a booth there. He's like, yeah, they let me in this year. Uh, I know, I know. And then it's changed so much. I think it goes up and down with me, but uh, but in general, our our industry, yeah, I, I think Palm Rady and JSD have a lot to do with that. You know, like really mainstreaming this stuff, uh, 80s and kids. Uh, and I don't know about our case. I guess it's just like Ghost Gunner made enough money. Eventually, they're just like, hey, you want to buy some ads? You want to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, they just forget about it. I don't even know if I have an actual NSSF membership. I think I just get into SHOT Show now and they just kind of don't think about it. Yeah, that's what I do. I don't have, I'm not a member either. Yeah, see, there you go. It's like, it's like, yes and no, you know, and so they can disavow if they want to, if they absolutely have yeah, yeah. to. Um, so that's where I'd say. Yeah, like I ran into a shot, and I was like, "They let you in?" And you're like, "Shh." I know. I'm actually always worried that if it, you know, if push comes to shove, that I don't think they have a problem kicking me out again. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make it to that first floor before they do that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dark is wants me to tell you, Cody, that he loves you dearly. Dark, hey man, we're gonna we're gonna do your show, dude. No homo. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all homo with dark. All, all, I've been seeing some old, old like not old Dugan, new Dugan on YouTube. You guys check it out. He's going rogue. It's great. Is he doing all right? I haven't seen him in a while. I don't know if he's doing all right, but he's oh. he's been fire. So right. it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe dark can tell us, but uh, Jordan, I I've been meaning. Uh, surely you and I will catch up after the show at least, or you know, sometime this yeah. week. Uh, I'd love to know some of these more detailed things you're thinking yeah. uh, i imagine there's like other scenarios you know that atf is un accidentally invited upon themselves so yeah, i, of course I don't want to take advantage of it yeah uh, i think they have we can talk about it i don't want to put it out on you know the yeah. open air and change anything but yeah um we have some interesting thoughts anyway crump knows maybe rich does too i don't know uh but just interesting yeah. stuff you know mm -hmm. i i don't know I, I thought of something that might throw a monkey wrench into your plans. That's but, all right. It's all it's all monkeys, all wrenches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jordan, uh, Jordan, uh, text texted us, and Rob's like, "You can pay me so much an hour, and I'll tell you you're right, <laughs> but you still might go to jail." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. In our case, it seems especially true. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, we'll probably be the first to find out that we've uh, we've messed up. So, fine, whatever. We will absorb Paul and Brady's lawyers. Um, we'll be a bit more aggressive. You know, we're we're suing at the outset. Does anyone know if Paul and Brady itself is going to sue? They said early on, uh, when Dave Borges was still there, that he was ultra committed to doing it. Uh, I talked to Lauren, and we we didn't talk about that this week. So I'm not I'm not sure if they will or not. I don't know if they've already spent the cash on it, so they're just going to do it. I, you know, I don't know what their situation is. I know they, they were working They were working with uh, Chuck Michelle originally, but I talked to Chuck and they're, and they're not really working with them anymore. They got another firm. I know Michael Patrick was helping them a lot with their big ATF cases um, last year. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that, maybe, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's uh, yeah, maybe that's um, what they're, they're like, like what Chuck was talking about. He's like, he's like, you know, I can get to, get whatever you need over to them, but I'm not representing them anymore. So mm -hmm. I was, uh, I can't, I, I can't remember what it was about now. Never mind. Well, they um, took a lot of heat in the last, you know, 12, 18 months. I mean, they really did. So, right. 
I can't yeah. imagine they'd completely gear down. But then again, when they showed the AFT kit and stuff, it's like they're preparing a retreat, it feels like. Yeah, who knows? As long as they're not like the bump stock guy. Uh, Light fire guy. What did he do? He said, "He said, I, I need your money. I'm gonna fight back. Buy all, all the stuff, and everyone start buying the stuff because he's gonna fight back." Yeah. Then once the roll came out, he's like, "All right, see ya." Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Change your mind." Ultimate rug pull. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Never, and never. Everyone was like so pissed off because you know they're they like, "We're gonna fight back. We're gonna sue. We're gonna sue." Then all of a sudden, Alex Dude, FRT dude is where it's at. I mean, I hate that he has yeah. to do everybody else in our space, but you know, he's just like, nah, nah, I'm gonna keep selling. And yeah, uh, what's the story there? Is there any any news there? I haven't talked to him in quite some time. I talked to you offline. Yeah, that's a scary place to be in NFA land. Yeah, I don't know. Desperate yeah. battle. Well, I, I I do know that they went to multiple <laughs> different places. Uh, Asking for customer records, and I'll, I'll say this straight out: asking for customer records from the date that they sent that letter saying that some FRTs are are, are machine guns. And I, what I, what I'm thinking they're doing, I think they're trying to build a conspiracy case against those guys or some type of NFA violation case, not against the people who bought them, but the dealers that sold them after they sent the letter out, the open letter to FFLs, because they didn't care about any sales before that letter went out. It was only after. That the date of the letter being published, the open letter. So they wanted to, just to know, like, did you sell any triggers? Who did you sell these triggers to after the letter was published? So I'm pretty sure they're trying to build some type of a case against those, those sellers. Yeah, no doubt. But their op- their whole open letter thing so far to me has felt like a meek, like surprisingly meek response. Um. They must know that we feel that way about it, but I, I'm actually pretty surprised at how how much of a cowboy uh, rare breed is being, and I think it's kind of inspiring, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know how he sleeps at night. I'd be a nervous wreck. <laughs> I don't know how you sleep sometimes too. Maybe you don't. <laughs> right back at you, man. I don't, you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess we all take as much as we can handle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can handle a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, look, I I sympathize. He's got a cool thing. The law was clear. You know what I mean? Like right. money, it's money. You know, I wouldn't walk yeah. off it either. But um, boy, he's gonna have a hard time on the way down. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Plus all the other all the other guys infringing or whatever that story is, whether they are or not, I guess allegedly infringing. Uh, that's a tough one to have to battle everybody on all sides. Fighting everybody, yeah, that's tough, dude. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't say. I, th- I think you should be able to three D print his stuff, you know. <laughs> but one one battle at a time. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw Hoffman Tactical. I, I think Hoffman's like twenty years old. He three D yeah. printed a binary trigger and then got a letter from uh, Kevin Maxwell. And he was, you know, he was a real classy guy about it, right? He he gracefully walked back. He, you know, yep. he said he understood and. And we even like indirectly asked him, you know, like, well, you, if you want, we'll host the stuff and we'll take the fight for you. And he was like, nah, for now, let's just give the guy a break. So Hoffman's a class act. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't think he, maybe this is the generational divide in our community. Uh, hopefully a bunch of young guys eventually will be in running the business. They'll understand that the only way we can really beat the ATF is to have open source, you know, IP mm-hmm. on, on some layer, not not every layer. Yeah, uh, Dark also uh, agrees that they that uh, they're trying to gather up information to, um, you know, go after the dealers. Yeah, there is definitely a generational divide. It, I we saw that a while ago when we were talking about DRM. Oh yeah, DRM is bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it it's definitely a generational divide open source is the way to beat this because once it's open source anyone can do anything with it so you can't really stop the signal right it at least breaks down a lot of the normal measures of control and and you can see them struggling to kind of reinvent what those methods are but none of them none of them work outside of you know 20th century models of well it, it doesn't matter it's just you know eight john i think even you told me that atf began this rulemaking with the, some instructions to to hit 3D printed guns as well, 
and the, apparently they realized that they really couldn't once they yeah. got down the road. So, you know, helping them understand they can't do things is very useful. Yeah, I mean, they definitely looked into things that they could do, but every time they looked into it, they're like, well, no, that won't work. That won't work either. That won't work either. They're like, well, I guess the best thing to do is just to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about it. Like, oh, PMFs, you know, see, see, we, we talked about it, you know. I mean, I, it was a real trip for me to read about them talking about 3D printing and overprinting and, you know, just the things that we were talking about five or six years ago. Now make yeah. it into an ATF rule. I, I thought that was kind of fun. Um, you know, like to, to use the word ignore, right? That's where Congress was, you know, 10 years ago on this. Let's just pretend this isn't happening. And now the ATF takes the opposite position where like, well, of course, this stuff's always going to happen. And anyone can 3D print a receiver. I just thought that was uh, really fun yeah. to have lived long enough to see. Yeah, when you, when you first started three D printing the machines, you had to like lease a machine to print. Now you can like just go to Micro Center and get one for ninety nine dollars. Yeah, good point. Yeah, they're really expensive. Um, yeah, and they take them away from you and stuff. So and now uh... <laughs> I remember that when that. Happened. That's kind of what I wanted to open with, Cody. You're like the first guy I know that was canceled. Oh. Was it UPS or FedEx, the yeah. the company with the printer? Who else? I, you name it, dude. I, I was catching tree branches all the, all the way down over and over again. Uh, yeah, like U, UPS officially wouldn't. FedEx definitely wouldn't. They, FedEx came out and did all kinds of weird stuff. I got on Infowars for that one. I, I don't know. The, the louder you are about this stuff, the harder. But, you know, we got kicked off of Amazon, and I, that's probably not a huge surprise. But, uh, you know, we were selling ghost cars on Amazon up into 2017, you guys. Oh, no way. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so many ghost cars on Amazon. And, uh, you know, you think about that now and you're like, well, that's impossible. But right. There were just so many platforms like Google ads, but, Facebook, you know, you name it. We were getting but what if, what if you let, let's just say I started building a thing identical to a ghost gunner and called it a tabletop mill and put it on Amazon? Yeah, you'd be fine. In fact, you're going to ha- someone will have to do this because California is trying to ban ghost gunner, not by name, but but by function, like in January. They're like, well, no, nobody can own or sell a mill uh, whose primary function is to, like, make gun parts. So, oh, boy, you know, we have this to look forward to. So if you ship it with a bunch of, you know, code for, I don't know, vases and Civil War figurines. uh... Well, I think that's the conservative way to do it, which is to say the way that will you'll you'll still lose. (laughs) So, like what Jordan's saying, look, you will have to spin off like there will have to be another mill another mill company it'll you'll have to literally do the thing uh and then you know ghost gunner code will be just as good on that mill so mm-hmm. they're, just, they're just kind of making you i don't know dance this crazy dance well, which he, go ahead you know how uh elon musk got his flamethrower into europe right um he, are, you, are you talking about how he overcame export law or yeah wait, yeah he, well he tried to import in europe and and the eu were like no we don't want that because it's a flamethrower so then he changed the name to not a flamethrower, flame and they were like, "Yeah, okay, it's approved." No, that that is that is the marketing layer of it. the The true layer of it is that it actually never met the definition of a flamethrower. No, it did. Well, it's a roofing. It's a roofing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you guys know, but uh, but you know, very smart, teaches the right method. We're gonna have to, you know, okay. California is literally gonna say, okay, you can't have a mill that's like marketed to finish guns. So we're gonna have to like do the whole thing but you know we've been ready for it so we'll do it it's just it's crazy and this is clearly what the atf's doing too they're like fine you can have jigs you can have receivers but you better not tell anybody about it uh you better not put them in one box and it's like man this doesn't feel like gun regulations anymore this feels like something else yeah all right guys we've been on for an hour this flew by um i hope everyone out there got something out of it we have to have you back on more cody i want everyone dude yeah, uh, you can find Flying Rich at flyingrich.com, flyingrich underscore official on Instagram. Flying Rich is the only guy I know who has a MySpace. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not even joking about They can't that. cancel me on MySpace. Damn. <laughs> Flying Rich on YouTube. Uh, Jordan, where can people find you? GSDsupply.com, all the socials when they're not kicking me off of there. When they're not kicking you off. When NBC is not getting you kicked off. (laughs) And Cody Wilson, the godfather of 3D printing. Yeah, defcad.com, ghostgunner.net. You know, check it out. And you guys buy a ghost gunner out there. 
It's probably right. going to be, you know, I feel lucky. It's like one of the hottest ways to continue to make rifle receivers. You know, I, I don't know what 80% arms is going to do. Like, okay, they can either sell receivers or easy jigs, right? Right. So exactly. we'll see. But uh, yeah. Ghost Gunner is going to stick around, man. AR, yeah. AR receivers, 30 minutes. Not bad. Yeah, the, the Ghost Gunner, I mean, just it's just it just flies through. I mean, Bam, bam. I was like making my, my wife kind of didn't like it because I would always try to like mill stuff in like at like two, three o'clock in the morning. Which was kind of were you loud. doing it in the basement or the bedroom, John? It's pretty loud, yeah. Yeah, it's in the basement, but it's still loud. So, but yeah. Um, but but thank you so much for coming on. We will be back later on this week, guys. Uh, thank you for watching.